Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Pop-up campers, running or not running, water damage okay, we pay off loans. We also Water buy, damage encouraged. <laughs> we also buy all trucks and vans, cargo vans, pickups, box trucks, utility trucks, all fleet vehicles. Cash payment on site. Call for pricing and same-day appraisals, and it's got a 301 number. We're right. calling. Right. 301 We have to set number. up a sting. Yes. Fire from Maryland and West Virginia, and it's got the number. That's gap year, baby. <laughs> Put that in your gap year. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. If someone were to ask me, what is the purpose of this show? I would say it's to keep up with Hide the Trailer. <laughs> I would say it would be to have a relatable circumstance for everybody out there who can imagine what it would be like on their street if some kid just parked a trailer for four or five or six or seven days. Just parked it. It's not going anywhere. Nothing's happening with it. And you would say, what's going on here? Right? That's what you would say. What's going on here? And eventually, you'd call an authority figure. Maybe it's the police. Maybe it's the Department of Public Works. Maybe it's your local elected representative. You would call an authority figure and you would say, what, what is going on here? And this happens to, well, I don't know that it happens to all of us, but it's happened to me, and I assume it can happen to anybody. I wish you lived in a homeowner's association. I don't. I, I know. I just can't imagine the, the, just the terror that would just follow you every single day with well, trash pickup. But if I had a homeowner's association, I would go to them. Right. You would have somebody and to And I would say, what's going on here? I got an email that I want to read from Jeffrey Zahn. Yesterday afternoon, and this was when this was sent to me, was Wednesday. So this happened on Tuesday. And Tuesday is when that trailer disappeared. Yesterday afternoon, I was driving north on 295 in southeast D.C. And going in the other direction was a D.C. police tow truck towing a gray boxy trailer, <laughs> though no stench of a meth lab was following in its wake. I believe this is the trailer you're talking about. It was headed in the direction of the D.C. impound lot in Southwest. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know if this is on the up and up. I hope it's on the up and up. I hope that was the trailer, but I don't know. That's a all, bumpy stretch of highway. All I know is that it's gone. Yes. It's gone now, for which I am very grateful. Let me do a little bit of business here. Now, we're making the world safe for trailer news on this particular podcast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Next week, we will have shows Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Sean needs us to do that. We're happy to do that. The only difference is, you know, we're moving the Friday show to Tuesday, in effect. Right. That's all you have to think. We're going to do early shows, okay? Early shows. And let me get to a couple of stories here. First of all, the Packers. I awakened this morning. I did not honestly see the end of that game. When I left, it was a back-and-forth game. The Packers were up by a little, maybe. And I, I bailed out. Nigel, you watched the whole game. I did, yeah. The Packers, uh, well, the Cardinals held them off on a goal line stand. They were up, the Packers were up 24-21. When would you say the game ended? Sometime in the 11 o'clock hour, maybe like 11, 11.30, something like that. How about 11.12? Do you think that would be accurate? Is that possible? 11, sure. 12? Yeah, that sounds about right. It's a time-stamped 11.12 from Chuck Todd. Never bet against Rodgers getting points. <laughs> what was I thinking? I thought of him. What yeah. was I thinking? Yes. Chuck yeah. Todd, who loves Rodgers. Yes, he does. He's a Packers fan. That's 11-12 with Chuck Todd when the interception is made and yeah. the game is over. Chuck Todd says, I'm a dope. <laughs> like what I would with no, you. Like, you didn't have anybody. He said, yeah, I'm, I, but I still have me. So watch this. But in the end, it was his cornerback and sort of a yeah. messed up play. By the way, yeah, because the receiver didn't turn around. Right. And that cornerback used to play for Arizona earlier this year. Oh. Did you, you didn't know I that. I did not know that. No. He played for Arizona. Yeah. So but Aaron Rodgers gets it done again. And this is so odd. Again, without Devontae Adams. Like they're now, I think, 7-0. and 0. 
in the last two years without Devontae Adams. Yeah. Rodgers had no interceptions, right? I don't believe Kyler Murray had two interceptions. Yes. The last one is not really his fault. The receiver doesn't turn around. You're not, as they say, on the same page. But Rodgers does this, which allows Rodgers to say again and again and again how much he loves this team and he loves the coaches. You know, he never says, I love the GM. <laughs> and basically says all of Rodgers' comments are calculated to produce this effect. That fans of the Green Bay Packers will say, God, I love Aaron Rodgers. And if he goes, I understand. The GM hurt him. The GM hurt him to the bone. So he had to go. This is like... It's not the same, nothing happened bad to Scherzer, but all of us who are Nats fans go, okay, Scherzer has to go. It's okay. We root for Scherzer. And that's what Aaron Rodgers is doing. He's creating a, a vast reservoir of goodwill, and I guess they are now number one in the NFC. And they're not that good. This is the biggest win they've <laughs> yeah, had. Remember they week had, one? The, huh? Week one? They got killed week yeah. one. By New Orleans. They had only beaten one winning team to this point, yeah. and that was Cincinnati. But at Arizona at Arizona without your best two receivers, is an enormous win. Yes. There's, there's no way you can look at it and say it's anything other than a great win. We will talk, obviously, to Jason Lockenfora about that in a little while. The other story that I wanted to talk about was the resignation of Joel Quenville, who, for those of you who don't follow hockey, raise your hands. My hand is already up. <laughs> uh, is the coach now, or was the coach until yesterday, of the Florida Panthers, I believe. Some 10 years ago, he was the coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, and he won a Stanley Cup. Some 10 years ago, there was a report that moved up the chain in the Chicago Blackhawks organization about one of their players, Kyle Birch. Is that his name? Birch or Burke, I'm he not has, sure. He has, just, he has just given his identity out within the last 48 hours and did an interview on TSN in which he cried repeatedly, and your heart goes out to him when he tells the story of, of telling the team this is what happened, and it goes all the way up the ladder to the GM. Quenville denies he knew it. I don't believe that. I, it's, it's, that's sort of like when the GM of the Astros said, I didn't know anything about this, Lunau. I don't believe that. I'm not saying it's not true. It may be true. I'm saying I don't believe it. I believe the coach knew. I know the GM knew. The GM resigned 48 hours ago. Quenville is no longer with Chicago. One at Stanley, at least one. He may have won two Stanley Cups there, maybe three. I don't know. So an accomplished coach, Joel Quenville, he quit. And he said, what happened was terrible, and I'm going to take responsibility for it, and I'm going to be very contrite. Well, if you say you didn't know about it, if you're honest that you didn't know about it, I don't know that you're responsible for it. I'm not sure. If the GM knew he's responsible... If you have a player on your team who's being sexually assaulted by an employee of your team, a coach, and the player is too young to know what to do, and it finally comes out and you fail him, then yes, you ought to leave. Even 10 years later, you ought to leave because that's terrible. And we've all seen in the last 8 to 10 years these girls on the United States gymnastics team who were abused by Larry Nasser, the head doctor who's now in jail, is never getting out of jail. Good, because that's where he belongs. But there are thousands of young, and I will say, I won't say men and women, thousands of boys and girls who are abused like this by coaches and other hangers-on to teams yearly. And we never know about it. We never learn about it. And in most cases, the people who are victimized come to blame themselves. And that's why we never learn about it. And they, they feel helpless and hopeless and nothing is ever going to happen. And sports needs to reach out. 
Schools need to reach out. Anywhere there are those situations. This was not a boy. This is a professional hockey player, not a boy. But he was abused. And, and it's, it's in hindsight, which is all we know about, it's terrible. And the people in the chain of command, they have to take responsibility for it. Joel Quenville was, again, I'm going to say something I don't know. So let me say this is my opinion. All right, so we don't think that, oh, Tony heard this some. I didn't hear it anywhere. My opinion is that Joel Quenville met with Gary Bettman yesterday, and there were a lot of lawyers in the room. And Gary Bettman looked at Joel Quenville and said, this is your option. You can quit now. If you don't quit, we're going to fire you. We're going to get you out of the league. But if you quit now, and you are contrite, in a year or two, if you want, and you want to apply for reinstatement as a coach, we'll consider that. We'll consider that in that time, you have learned something, and this won't happen again. Now, we saw something different, not as bad in a moral standpoint with the Houston Astros, where their manager was fired, and Alex Cora was also fired for being a part of it, and within a year, they were reinstated, and they have done nothing other than to say what happened there was wrong. They haven't tried to say, I didn't know anything about it, and do that. They said it was wrong. Okay, this is worse. This is sexual abuse. I am not trying to equate the two, except to say that these opportunities for reinstatement come along. Will Quenville be reinstated? Will he ask? I don't know. He's in his 60s. I don't know if he'll ask. Will he be reinstated? I don't know. But I'm pretty certain that Gary Bettman said to him, here's what we got. You're going to have to go. There are two or three different ways to go. Pick the one you want. This seems to me to be the one that is the um, has the path to return. Right? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. And has you, the path if you look return. at Bateman's comments, you see the given result. This is a quote. There's no need for any further action by the NFL regarding Mr. Quinville at this time. NHL. However, should he wish to re-enter the league in some capacity in the future, I will require a meeting with him in advance in order to determine the appropriate condition under which sure under which such new employment might take place. And I think it's that re-enter the league does not necessarily mean re-enter as you right. know the Get top, back of, the, in the, top coach. of the line. Yeah. You know. And by the way. Um, if you wanted to hire him for television or radio, that same thing would apply. Sure. That same thing would apply. You're going to have anything to do with hockey and the umbrella of hockey that extends out from the NHL, that same thing is going to apply. It's going to apply to Bowman, who resigned as GM. Um, I, don't, I don't know who else is involved. Assistant coach, I don't, I don't know. I think the lower on the chain you go, if you passed it up and nothing happened, I'm not sure that you are responsible, but I do think a coach and a general manager are responsible, and I think ownership is responsible. Ownership's not going to divest itself of the team. The Wirtz family's going to keep the team, but they certainly apologized for everything. This will happen a long time ago, and you might want to say, well, that's 10 years ago. No, 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 no. Not this. Right. Not this. This is a failure. This poor guy, I watched that interview. He said, I felt like my life was over. I felt like I was worthless when nothing happened. Worthless. He's playing in Germany now. He probably, and I don't know his career, and I don't know how good he is, but I'm willing to believe that he left the NHL earlier than he wanted to or earlier than he had to had he been able to play without this in his life, in his bones, in his spirit. 
I believe that that's true. And the fact that he's still playing hockey in Germany indicates to somebody that this is what he likes to do is play hockey. If you haven't seen that interview with TSN, you should see it. It makes you, it makes you cry. Yeah. It, it absolutely makes you cry. So we're not going to talk about this. Now we're going to bring a hockey guest on. <laughs> right. A Kyle Beach is his name. No, Kyle Beach. Beach. Yes. And Quinville won three Stanley Cups. Yeah, he's a so, great coach. He's a great coach. So, yeah. But even with that. And somebody was off to a great start this season. Yeah, somebody wants to hire him. It's, that's going to have to go through all those. You know, and you procedures. know what? That's fair. Sure. It's absolutely fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, if he, it's, again, I'm not going to deny when he says he didn't know about it. I'm just going to say, I don't believe that. Right. Right? It's like Lou now at, at Houston. Yeah. Your team was cheating. Yeah, and you had no. You're in, a, you're in the team every day. You're the GM, and you didn't know. You had no idea. Strange credulity, I think is the yeah. phrase. It yeah. does to me. It does to me. So we will take a break. Uh, when we come back, Jason Locke and Fora will join us of CBS Sports. We'll talk about last night's game a little bit and talk about a bunch of other stuff as well. When we return, I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Simply Safe ad. They've just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera. That's right, Simply Safe, the system that U.S. News and World Report names best home security system of 2021. And by the way, let me add parenthetically that U.S. News and World Report also ranked Binghamton as the number one public university in the state of New York. It's about time, isn't it? So they do a lot of rankings about a lot of things. They go from colleges to security cameras. This brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech and security features you want and need to help keep you and your family safe. It has an ultra-wide 140-degree field of view. That seems wide. So you can keep watch over your entire yard, unless you have a gigantic yard. It has a 1080p <laughs> HD solution. Michael told me to say yeah, well 1080p. Done. HD field of 1080. HD resolution with an 8x zoom. That means you can zoom in and clearly see things like faces and license plates to capture critical evidence, unless it's a trailer without <laughs> license plates. It has a built-in spotlight with color night vision, for those of you going back to Vietnam, so you can keep an eye on what's going on day and night. It's super simple to set up and usually just takes minutes. Honestly, color night vision, that's I rem every movie, every single movie, somebody's sitting there in a blind or in a tree, <laughs> right. and they got the red... The red dots on, right? That's, that's what it is. Um, it has an easy-to-remove rechargeable battery, so it doesn't need an outlet and can go anywhere on your property. The camera has it all and integrates with your Simply Safe home security system, extending its protection to the outside. Together, it means every door, window, and room are protected, and now your property will be too. So if you're going to buy a security system, you know, it seems to me you'd want one that gives you this sort of coverage. Absolutely. If you can do that. To learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit Simply Safe, S I M P L I, simplysafe.com slash Tony. What's more, Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system and by giving your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that is simplysafe.com slash Tony and use the code, people. You're listening, You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Michael Schlesinger, who writes, Michael Schlesinger here all the way from Singapore. Still working to protect and promote American films, TV, and streaming content while continuing to pursue my musical hobby under my artist name, Michael Noah. This is the 85th song in a current cycle that began three years ago. Prodigious. This is Michael Noah, called My Everything. It's lovely. 
isn't it? Absolutely lovely. Plays in Jason Lock and Four of CBS Sports. And Jason, I'm just going to start with last night's game and ask this question. What, if anything, do we take away from Green Bay going to Arizona, not fully staffed, and yeah. winning that game? Um, I, I guess I, I tend to focus more on, on what the Packers did than what the Cardinals didn't do. Um, mm-hmm. Arizona was going to lose a game. They're, they're, they're going to lose games. Um, yep. They're a good team. I, I don't think they're uh, one that's necessarily going to you're going to look back on and say that was a historically significant team or they did, you know, this, that, and the other that we've never seen before. Um, short week, a lot of things can happen, and, and clearly, um, you know, they've got some recalibrations to do with, with J.J. Watt being out. Not that that in and of itself should be a surprise because – his availability and health, right? That's that's why he always. didn't, you know, that's, that's why the, part of the reason he's not in Houston anymore and part of the reason there was a limited market for him and part of the reason a lot of teams were looking at what Arizona gave him and were like, are you sure? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Green Bay, I, I had a feeling this was going to be one of those games where Aaron Rodgers is going to do just enough to win despite the hand that he was dealt. And obviously they were very limited from a personnel standpoint. Um, and it wasn't, you know, a, a, a tour de force. He wasn't going to win the fantasy football week or win the box score. But you just look at effectiveness and key points in the game. And, and, and even though they, they, you know, had an instance where I'm sure they thought they should have come away with a touchdown and they, they come away with nothing. Yeah. They still win the game. And Green Bay's defense, they continue to add parts along the way. I'm not sure that they're done buying. They, they may still do something else before the trade deadline. And some of it's working and some of it isn't. But, but that group has, has gotten better as things have gone along um, and is able to play some complimentary football and muster a little bit of a pass rush. So, I, I you know, hats off to those guys. Are you beginning to think on any level that Aaron Rodgers will be back there next year? Um... Probably not, you know. I, I, I think he's pretty locked into the idea that this is the last dance and he's not by any means focused on playing his entire career as a Packer. And I think the idea of being wooed and, you know, having the whole NFL, oh, where is he going to end up? And, and, you know, getting the Tom Brady treatment, um, this is a little different. He's not, you know, he's not technically a free agent, but... He's a guy, you know, he's a Hall of Fame first ballot quarterback with, with, who's still playing really well with one year left on his deal, who wants out and, and has the ability to affect where he lands. So it's not quite a free agency, but it's, it's close enough. And I don't know that a Super Bowl win or a Super Bowl loss or a playoff um, loss in the whatever, the wild card round or the, chan- or the you know, second divisional round, I don't know that that's going to that's gonna change sort of where he is in in his head with his career and what the next step looks like. Let me go to something else. It's sort of more esoteric. I had written down, do you think they should have postponed this game? I know what the rules are in the NFL, but we are now seeing coaches who have to be vaccinated or they cannot work. We are seeing them get COVID along with some players. 
I'm just wondering on a game like this, do you think they gave any thought to swapping out another no. bunch of teams for this or, uh -uh. or do they just live with the fact that even if vaccinated people get COVID, the rules are the rules and we're playing on. Yeah. I, I don't think there was, um, I, they just had a league meeting, right? Everybody was together in New York while this was going on. I didn't hear, right. you know, one iota of of anything like that whatsoever. Um, yeah, I, I, they did so much work last year. They did so much work this year. They put these rules together. Does everybody love them? Nope. Was there a hundred percent agreement among all the owners and all the players and all the coaches and all the GMs that this is the best thing for the game? No. But there was enough to, to get a deal done um, that had certain incentives and disincentives for individuals to make certain decisions and for teams to um, make certain decisions. Uh, and no, I don't. I think it would. It, it's really difficult to do something like that. I know last year we saw a lot of it going on, and maybe it colored our sort of view of wow, this is really more fungible than we ever thought. But. They don't ever want to okay. go back to that. They're trying to avoid that as much as they can with sort of open-ended schedules and will this team play all their games or won't they? And, you know, how far could we push this game and still keep the overall schedule together? No, I think it, it would take um, something um, far more wide-reaching than – you know, the the Packers not having a full complement of receivers and being down a couple guys for them to even okay. start thinking in those terms. Okay. And it turned out to be a great game anyway, so and it turned out to be sort of an upset that the Packers would. Let me move on. The trade deadline, um, this is the last time I have an opportunity to talk to you before the trade deadline. That's early next week. And the league has not, the league has specifically said, we're not going to disqualify Deshaun Watson from playing Yet, we're not going to yet. do it, which is amazing to me. Amazing to me. And his name is out there in trade talks. Do you have any expectations that somebody will actually trade for Deshaun Watson? Um, there are teams that have spent significant time exploring it. It's, it's not um, an abundance of teams, but certainly it's enough that something could get done. It, it only takes an owner or a couple of owners to decide that this is what's best for their football team. And I think there are, well, I know there are a couple who, who believe it is. Um, it is a move very much worth pursuing. It's just a matter of at this point, it doesn't make football sense for them in terms of what they would have to give up to get him. And as you know, Tony, these things ebb and flow. Uh, there's a lot of breathless reporting at various times. Um, for no real reason, it's just that the Houston Texans, you know, oh, well, the season's about to start. Let's try to ramp this up and let everybody know that, boy, we got a big market for this guy. And Oh, all right, well, we've played four games, and certain teams are starting to not look so good, so let's pump it out there again. Oh, it's close, it's close. Oh, now we're only two weeks from the deadline. Let's let's give it another go and let's yeah. reach out to some people in the media and tell them, like, hey, it's it's really, really close now. Believe me, if you didn't believe me before, believe me now. I mean, the reality is Tuesday is it. And now there's this. Now you got teams that do like them, you know, putting out to the media, well, we're out. It, we're, we, we, were, we were barely really in, 
and now we're out. Well, no, no nothing, nothing is ironclad. Nothing is, is um, that in stone. Far from it. Um, people's ideas change. People's levels of frustration with their current operation change. Um, th- these are billionaires who tend to, you know, feel like I should get what I want. And so there will be teams that double back. There'll be teams that express more interest than they have before. Again, I don't think we're talking about more than a small handful of teams, but come 4 p.m. Tuesday, do the Texans come off their stance a little bit and and get a little more realistic about what the market will bear? Um, I think that's quite possible. And will there be something on the table that they decide is worth it and let somebody else pay him the rest of the year. Let somebody else deal with whether he's on the commissioner's exempt list or not. You know, make that somebody else's problem. Um, yeah, I think that is viable. Okay. The Houston Texans is a disaster. That is a disaster of a franchise. But the two teams that were, have been mentioned most have been Carolina, which just said they're not in uh-huh. it, and Miami. Which Miami's a disaster this year. They had a 10-win team yeah. last year. They've won one game. I got two questions. The easier question to deal with, I think, is does Goodell, if in fact Deshaun Watson is traded, does Goodell say, okay, he's eligible to play? And the harder question is, how does an owner, and if it is Miami, it's Steve Ross, how does an owner put his arm around Deshaun Watson facing 22 lawsuits and say, this is our quarterback? How do you do that? I I, I couldn't do it. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I It seems... Bizarre and and illogical, um, but these guys make decisions on a daily basis or a quasi-regular basis or a regular basis that I probably could never relate to or understand in in a lot of different things they do with their businesses or their corporations or whatever. It's just so out of my purview and so, you know, I I don't live in that world. I don't don't know how to... um, try to justify it or or explain it but they're they're <laughs> it's the, the Texans have most definitely engaged in trade talks with numerous teams and it's been more than fleeting um you know as to what the commissioner does and they they've chosen their words very carefully throughout this um, and by they I mean the league office and what they say in you know written statements or what the their spokespeople say or what Goodell uh, verbalizes in an instance like the other day when they're at a league meeting and he's doing a press conference and he's clearly going to be asked about it. But they they are leaving all options open. And when they when they couch things, right. it's couched as what we know right now or what we've heard to this point or you know where this is. And the reality is, from their standpoint, they have not had to do anything at all because the Texans. Not playing for them. They worked out this yeah, agreement right. with the guy that amounts to the commissioner's exempt list without the yep. league needing to make a single transaction. He's listed as an active player on the Houston Texans 53-man roster who just happens to be inactive every week. It's just, wow, what another coinky dink. No Deshaun Watson at practice and no healthy scratch. Um, if he's traded, and, and they don't like to deal in hypotheticals, and no one knows if he's going to be traded for sure. So they're not clarifying anything. If somebody decides to put him on a football field for a practice on a Tuesday and they think he's ready to play that week or play soon enough, the, the, the lawyers, right, and the PR people and the people at the top 
and maybe some other owners watching this from afar might express some things that then all of a sudden lead to them putting him on the exempt list because the reality for Deshaun Watson is he had already come to an agreement, an extended prolonged agreement that could be the entire season with his team that I will get this salary and I won't play any football and I won't, you know what I mean, make a ruckus and we'll just see where this goes. So... If I, I look, I, I don't. Any team that's doing this and just assuming we're good, I would say is being a little naive. I agree with that totally. All right, plug your radio show for us. Thank you, Tone. You can listen to me opine and pontificate about mostly football, <laughs> but occasionally things like why there isn't an express self checkout lane at my local Target. All that and more from <laughs> two to six daily. On Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. You can listen to us live anywhere on the Odyssey app. Uh, you could also listen to us streaming at www.1057thefan.com. Um, usually there's not kids arguing in the background, but sometimes we have that <laughs> as well. They cancel school, I'm told, for some reason. So, Wish me luck and hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Jason. Thank you Jason Lockton for our boys oh, and girls. You never have to worry that I'm going to talk about there not being enough self-checkout stands in any <laughs> store that I've ever been in. Yeah, it's not your move. I don't, I don't do self-checkout. <laughs> I don't know how to do self-checkout, don't understand it, and, and just wait for somebody to open up a light on the register that they're working. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. We're running out of time in October. So we're not going to... This is probably the last time we're going to read this about Halloween. Yes. Probably is, because Halloween is is Sunday night, and then we're into November. Yeah. What's scarier than getting a box of raisins while trick-or-treating? Excuse me for coughing. But I get to that all the time. And again, I think I liked raisins. How did that become scary? (laughs) Paying too much for your home and auto insurance? But Policy Genius can help you avoid that. Protect your property from mischief this spooky season with the right home and auto coverage. Does your home and auto insurance have you saying, oh, my God, I'm spending too much? Let Policy Genius look for lower rates for similar coverage. So put down that pumpkin spice latte and log on to PolicyGenius.com to check if you can get a better price on your home and auto insurance. It's free, and you could save money to spend on more lattes. I'm not against lattes. I just, I hate pumpkin spice. Yeah, you're not a fan. No, it's just me. Carol likes it. You know, Michael, do you like pumpkin spice? I I hate it. Yeah, not a fan. Have tried it, not a fan. It's not a real flavor. Uh, (laughs) Policy genius. Let's get back to the ad. Makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance in one place. They can help you find home and auto coverage similar to what you have now, but at a lower price. They've saved customers an average of $1,250 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. That's money. They've saved new customers an average of $435 per year on auto insurance. They've saved new customers an average of $350 per year on home insurance. What are you people doing? Don't spend money you don't have to spend. You nuts? Getting started is easy. First head to policygenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Policy Genius will take it from there. They'll compare rates from America's top insurers, from Progressive to Allstate, to find your lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. And if they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they'll switch you over for free. So head to PolicyGenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. 
You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This song is sent to us by Jay Johnson. This is called Think of You. It's on Spotify and across all the streaming platforms already. It's a second single ahead of his upcoming third solo EP, In Transit, which comes out next month. It's a song about social, not social distance, song about distance. If taken as a breakup song, I intended it to be from a more mature, reflective perspective than the typical you broke up with me. Now my life is over and or I hate you so much approach. I wrote and performed all the port parts and Maddie Clauser engineered and played the drums. It's lovely. Jay Johnson. Michael, if people like Jay Johnson want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. James Carville joins us now. And last week, James said he was taking the contrarian point of view. And he started out great because Iowa State won outright. He started out great, but then fell to two and four. You went contrarian. And not only that. You bet against Joe Burrow, your boy from LSU, uh, I, and you were, myself, you were skeptical. I'm yes, I'm glad I lost. <laughs> yes. Jamal Chase might be the, you know, end up being Joe Burrow's first old boot already. One is going to quarterback in the NFL. Jamal Chase is going to be like Jerry Rice before he's over. Well, they're both yeah. going to be great. They're both going to be great. And those people at Cincinnati who said draft an offensive lineman and not Jamar Chase, they're not yapping now, are they, James? They're not yapping now. I don't think they're yapping too much. I'm going to go quick because I want to tell you a story, okay? Go ahead. Yes, go. I I, I like Florida getting 14 against Georgia in a drunk bowl, whatever they call that, biggest cocktail (laughs) party in the world. Yeah, right. I like Auburn. It's a contrarian bet, but go to go there at home. Minus two and a half against Ole Miss. I like Auburn, and I think Ohio. I, I, I think Ohio State's going to win a national championship. And I, I, I'm later eighteen and a half and take them at home against Penn State. Uh, I, I think they're that good. Colts are getting one at home against Tennessee. I take them, notwithstanding Derrick Henry. The Pats are getting five and a five, five and a half at the Chargers. I take the Pats. And the Vikes are getting two and a half at home against Dallas, and there's a you got, you got to pay extra to bet on Dallas, so I'm gonna bet on the Vikings. Now, <laughs> the team the team I like is Michigan State at home against Michigan. If you took the hatred of how much the Auburn people hate Alabama, or how much the Virginia Tech people hate Virginia, I would say hate Iowa is nothing, nothing like the way the Michigan State people hate Michigan. Nothing. In 1992, the second debate was Atlantic. So what you do in a presidential campaign, you go two days before to a site that you could drive to to prepare. So we went right outside of Ann Arbor called Ypsilanti, and it was in October yeah. and cold. So I, I'm going to take my run. And I, I have, you know, from living in Arkansas, I have like a T-shirt with my ass off. So I go in a sundry shop in a hotel to buy a sweatshirt. It's a Michigan sweatshirt, I'm thinking. I go take a run next day they have a caravan you know and seek service and we go to Lansing or in the hotel we do a little you know dust you know light dusting prep and everybody get ready and say well I'm going to take a run before we go to the debate thing and wait I, so you were know, in East Lansing problem. you're in East Lansing yeah, wearing a Michigan right. shirt okay okay and I, and I go out of the hotel and you know, they got 200 300 people there, you know just waiting you know see the candidate come out 
and I go out with that Michigan sweatshirt, I lasted 20 seconds. It was like, I'll never vote for Clinton again the rest of my life. You know, I didn't know I, I was even thinking of what I had. What I had, I was just kind of cold, you know. Yeah. Needless to say, I bought a Michigan State shirt. <laughs> They're going to be on fire. On fire. No, we... We've got Michigan giving four in that in that game. So you get four at yeah, home. So yeah, so you I, Michigan State I, I gets four and a half, but I'll, I'll four. We'll give me four four and a quarter. We'll split. I'll give you four and an eighth, and it'll still work. <laughs> <Yeah>. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's good. Good luck this week. That's a don't good story. A, don't, Thank you, don't James. Don't wear the maize and blue in in East Lansing. I'm gonna tell you. Gotta wear the green. Yes. Gotta wear the green. Thank you, James. All right. See ya, James Carville, boys and girls. We only have to bleep two or three things yeah, out of just that. A couple. Just, just so a couple. wonderful, so <laughs> wonderful. So he took a lot of games. That's that's seven games. Yeah, I guess. Last two. week he was two and four. He's overall thirteen and seventeen. Uh, he's you know he's within striking distance of Mount Five Hundred. Eighteen and a half against Penn State's really a lot. That's that's a big number. And I don't, don't know that I would take the Patriots plus five and a half against the Chargers. I don't know that I would do that. Yeah, Reginald did. So maybe Reginald and, and I sort of like James. Knows I something. sort of like the Vikings. Yeah, I, I do. I sort of like the Vikings. Yeah, I'm not sure how good Dallas is, but it's a home game for Dallas. So well, you I feel like Dallas has got a game in them where they could just completely misfire on every Everybody, level. Everybody's got that game. Well, that's true. The that Packers did it against New Orleans. Everybody's <laughs> got that. Game. Can't believe that. Do yeah. we have Jeff Ma? We do. Jeff, say hi. Hi. How are Jeff, you? Jeff, are you there? All right. So Carville just took Carville just took a bunch of games. Carville, as you know, uh, bets contrarian. And that's why he loses. <laughs> he loses all the time. And he listens to T-Boy Latchelet, who, for all we know, is in the swamp right now. <laughs> right, out of gators. his mind. Wrestling, yeah. All right. Jeff does bet the process. Jeff had another winning week. Three and two. 21 and 14 overall. You bet with Jeff Ma, and you forget about the rest of these mopes, and you're making money. <laughs> okay? You're making money. Um, did you look at, uh, the game is done. Did you have a choice last night? Did you have a preference between Green Bay getting six and a half or Arizona at home? Did you have that one? I mean, I, I don't want to talk about what I would have after the fact, because after the fact, I'd be a hundred percent, but, um, right. it, it, it was an interesting game because you had all of this uncertainty about the Green Bay targets and, you know, certainly, um, Arizona is getting a lot of momentum, and it did seem like that line was a little bit high. I mean, we know that Rodgers has always been able to make do with whatever he has and get get by. So, I mean, I, I think if anything, I probably would have taken Green Bay, but no, I, I didn't actually have anything okay. in that game. Okay, tell us what you got for us. Uh, I'm going to take Cleveland minus the three and a half against Pittsburgh. Um I think Pittsburgh is a team that just isn't particularly good, and, and I think the market is having a difficult time adjusting to that. I think this is obviously a game that Cleveland has kind of circled and, and will be a game that they will bring everything. I think we really like the way Stefanski coaches compared to some of the other guys in the league in terms of optimizing fourth downs and giving Cleveland kind of every chance to win. Um, so I think Cleveland is, you know, just over a field goal favorite here at home against the Pittsburgh team that I think is is a bit overrated. We'll, we'll win this game by more than three and a half. Do you care either way if Baker Mayfield goes out there? I mean, I think it's a small edge. Obviously, if he gets out there, and that that would be helpful. But um, I mean, I think Keenum is competent, and I think that 
so much of what Cleveland's able to do is based on their offensive line and, and their defense, et cetera. And so I, I think ultimately I, I still like the game, obviously, with, with Keenum. But, yes, yeah, certainly okay. Baker would help a bit. Okay, what else? I'm going to take Carolina plus the three. Um, I, you know, Atlanta has, has shown well the last whatever three four weeks. Um, from yeah, they beat you last week. Loss. They beat you last week, it, right? Well, they didn't beat me because we covered right. Miami covered that game, so um, the reality is that 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 kind of the, the record, right? The win loss is kind yes. of overshadowing the fact that they are just winning these games barely, and it's not nearly as impressive as one would think. Um, and, you know, Carolina, obviously, I, I just think Carolina is a better team than Atlanta. Um, so I think that there's no reason that they really should be giving points uh, to Atlanta. So I, I like Carolina here. Even though they bench Sam Darnold, even though they've lost four in a row, you still like them. I'm just giving you yeah, the, the I mean, pushback. Yeah, I, I think they're. I think they'll have a short leash with Darnold. And from what I hear, I mean, I guess it's Halloween. So Atlanta might have ghosts on their defense, but hopefully <laughs> yeah. you know, Darnold yeah. won't be seeing ghosts. any. So. I'm seeing ghosts. I'm seeing ghosts. Okay, what else? I'm going to take the Jets plus ten and a half. Whoa. Um, Whoa. You know, think about this, Tony. Cincinnati was considered to be going into the season pretty close to the Jets and Houston in terms of one of the teams that people thought was one of the one of the worst teams in the league, obviously they've played much better than that. And, you know, that should be recognized and they are much better than that. But, you know, if you have a situation here where the Jets at home getting 10 and a half points against a team that, you know, seven weeks ago was thought to be pretty comparable to them, that's a huge amount of points. And sometimes when you see the market go so big one way, you kind of got to go the other way. And you talk about, Carville being contrarian, it's not a bad idea to be contrarian. You just have to understand how to be contrarian. I mean, I think James probably understands how to do that in politics, but in football it's a little bit different because ultimately what you're trying to do is read the market and understand where the market is just kind of overbought things. And I think in some respects they've overbought Cincinnati and they've they've oversold the Jets. So plus the 10.5, I think it's just too many points. Even without a quarterback that anybody has ever heard of, and the possibility that Flacco will get in there at some point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously, but it's not like Wilson was giving them very much either. So, right, okay. you just have a hope, a hope that um, there's enough preparation for these quarterbacks before they come in. That that there's you know there's there's the opportunity for them to just have a full week of preparation. I think the big thing with NFL quarterbacks is when. They have to come in in the middle of the game where they weren't part of the you know first team preparation all week. That's when I think we really see the terrible performances. Okay, what else? Um, I'm going to take uh, Philadelphia minus the three and a half. Um, I think Detroit is is you know last week they pulled out all the stops to try to stay close to yes. LA and they were yes. able to. But you know what, what's crazy is. Campbell is making all these incredible risky, you know, decisions like the the going uh, the onside kick early on, and but yet he's still not going for a fourth down and settling for field goals in situations. And I just don't, you know, I, I don't think he's obviously I don't think he's a very good coach. And and I think ultimately, you know, that was a game that they they really wanted clearly and pulled out everything. And here, you know, Philly. Um, is a much better team. And so with three and a half points, even on the road, I think I like Philly here. Okay. 
And then finally, I'm going to take Seattle minus three and a half against Jacksonville at home. Um, obviously, last week, Seattle really played um, defensively very well. Um, I think New Orleans has an elite defense, and, and you kind of saw that and how they were able to disrupt Geno. I think this is going to be much easier for Geno here, I think, at home against a Jacksonville team that I think, you know, I, I despite that win against Miami, they're, they're still a team in a lot of turmoil, and I, I don't think they're a team on the up. So I, I like Seattle with three and a half, getting the, uh, giving the three and a half here at home. This is tremendous. You have taken four of, four of your five picks are without first-string quarterbacks. I mean, because I don't, I have no idea if Darnold's going to play or not play. But at least three, at least Cleveland, probably the Jets, certainly Seattle, certainly, uh, and maybe Carolina. Yeah, I mean, again, that that is reflected in the line, right? It's not like this is right. information that nobody knows. So the market right. is pricing that in, and a lot of times the market will overprice certain things, you know, especially given quarterback super high profile it's not to say that quarterback doesn't matter obviously it's the most important position on the field but sometimes you know you do believe that they the the teams uh, sorry the market or the average better will overprice these things well good luck we always like when you win you're the only one that wins for us <laughs> yes. the only one yes thank you jeff you can hear jeff's bet the process with rufus you can just dial that in anytime you want thanks jeff Thanks, Jimmy. Bye. Jeff Mob, boys and girls. We will take a break. We will return with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. That's by Kelly Vickstrom Hoyt. That's right. That's a squeeze box, as the Who would say. <laughs> yes, yes. Squeeze box. It's an accordion. Kelly Vickstrom Hoyt. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Bethesda Bagels. Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We've got the bagel sandwiches. Fantastic on a rainy day. Makes me happy. Nothing better. I was pleased myself. Makes so me happy. Go Tracy to the- is that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy about that. <laughs> go to Bethesda Bagels. So Michael left one here the other day. Oh, really? Michael left one that was targeted for Liz, and I gave it to Tracy, and Tracy said, that was great. They are great. Yeah. Yes. And you can taste one, too. Go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. And that about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, and I don't recognize this, ladies and gentlemen, Madame and Monsieur, Damon and Heron, from what was once an inarticulate mass of lifeless tissue, may I now present a cultured, sophisticated man about town. The only thing that I can think of um, is uh, Joel Gray. In, no, in the, it's very close. The, the same sort of theme. Um, but if I told you right after that, there was a duo singing Putting on the Ritz. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Young Frankenstein. That's okay. his introduction. Okay. And of the yeah, I'm not as familiar with Young Frankenstein. Oh, okay, I thought you as were. As I am. What's the name of that movie? With Joel Gray is in it. He's oh, Cabaret. Just, Cabaret. With Liza Minnelli. Yeah, you know. Won Oscar. Won tons of Oscars for yes. that, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Vilcom, Vilcom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks to our guests today, Jason Locke and four of CBS Sports, James Carville, Jeff Ma, host of the podcast, Bet the Process. Thanks to today's sponsors, Simply Safe and Policy Genius. I always love the fact that when Nigel types this up for me to read, he writes Simply Safe with a Y and not an I. <laughs> it should be an I. 
And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review, which is all very, very nice. Cabaret. Welcome, Bill Garner. That's a great Does, isn't that a stage what, show. For, isn't that the, the line, too, from um, Lily Von Stupp in Blazing Saddles? Yes. yes. Welcome. Hello. Yeah. How yeah, you yeah. doing? Yeah. Lily Von Stupp. <laughs> from Jamie Tulin in Albany, New York. Not trying to sway your vote, but here's a reason you could root for the Braves to win the World Series. Ace picture Ian Anderson, he goes in Game 3, has an identical twin brother named Ben Anderson, who also played baseball for Shannon Dahawa in Clifton Park, I hope I pronounced that correctly, near Albany, New York. He was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays in the 26th round of the 2016 MLB Draft. Ben committed to play baseball for Binghamton University. He eventually decided to attend Binghamton instead of signing with the Blue Jays. He spent three seasons playing there before being drafted by the Texas Rangers in the 13th round of the 2019 Major League Baseball draft. I had no idea that Binghamton was such a baseball powerhouse. Heard the Knots might take a flyer on him. Binghamton had an anonymous gift last year for many millions of dollars to build a baseball stadium. It's beautiful. Um, we do baseball. Now, how do they play early season doubleheaders? It's hard because of the weather. They probably do what Maine does, which schedule a lot of games in Florida early on and oh, then right. play them late. Um, but we pride ourselves now on, on baseball. From Brent Rootcamp in Midvale, Utah. So you worried about watching the PTI special and seeing how much you've aged? No need to worry, old sport. You've barely aged at all, because like Wilford Brimley, you've looked old forever. <laughs> Brimley looked old for at least three decades, an achievement you are rapidly approaching. The only difference is that now you appear smaller and slightly more gray. Well, I've lost a little bit of weight. And, and in height. the interest... Hmm? And height. And height. And in the interest of subversiveness, I encourage all owners of trailers and late model Hondas to park on your street. <laughs> After all, humor is you falling down the stairs, or in this case, ranting about trailers and other non-luxury vehicles plaguing your street. More importantly, the special was great. Who would have thought that being smart, funny, and bald would take one so far? <laughs> Not I. Um, this is lovely. Hi, Mr. Tony. This is from Sandra Rohde. And I'll get to her relationship with the subject in a second. Jolene Wojcik has received a few mentions on the show lately, but I hope you will consider one more. She's being honored. She was honored last night, Thursday, October 28th, as a 2021 Woman of Distinction. She's grateful for the honor, but would prefer to stay in the background. Sounds like your comments about the 20th anniversary. Some of the comments say Jolene is humble, kind, and full of grace. She does things for people that are private and out of the spotlight. There's a lot of nice comments on the invitation, but one important one is missing. She's a little. Thank you. Jolene's sister, Sandra Rohde. And that's not lovely. It's lovely here. They have that. Congrats, Jolene. Brad Taylor in Brentwood, Tennessee. First time, long time. I was pleasantly surprised to have my first David Aldridge moment this weekend in South Bend. The great Jimmy Dunn came to speak to our MBA class at Notre Dame about his views on leadership through crisis. What was slotted for 45 minutes turned into an hour and a half of Mr. Dunn sharing wisdom on life through anecdotes and wit. Suffice to say, his label, The Great, fails to capture just how remarkable Jimmy Dunn is as a man and a leader. P.S. I still have a copy of Dan Shaughnessy's spring training book you re-gifted me at the Post many years ago. You were right to get rid of it. It was a snoozer. <laughs> Long story short, I came to get a picture taken for an article as a pitcher at Good Counsel, and Tarek El-Bashir made sure to swing me by your office. You were extremely kind, but in a rush, and ushered my father and I out of your office with a re-gift of this book. It's been a source of much Seinfeld-related laughter for my father and I ever since. Thanks so much for the years of laughter through the post-PTI in the pod, which is very lovely. From Gordy in San Diego, California. 
Rather than bore you with a story about my last golf round, I wanted to share the recent performance of the Montague High School girls golf team in Montague, Michigan, coached by my brother-in-law and fellow little Phil Kerr. The Wildcats were defending their 2020 state championship in a two-round tournament at Forest Acres Golf Course in East Lansing and went into the final round down one shot to last year's runner-up. The girls played through cold, windy conditions. Of course, it's Michigan in the fall. En route to a 675 two-round team score in a second straight team championship. Can the Montague Wildcats girls golf team be the official Michigan Division Four state champions of the Tony Corner? I don't think there's any competition for that. <laughs> Ken Burke in Arlington Heights, Illinois. My daughter is a junior in high school and is interested in Binghamton. Should I make the check for $5 out to you to get her in? Or is there a representative at the school who handles these payments? Also, since we live near Chicago, I was thinking we should do the same with Northwestern as a safety school. Please let Wilbon know we need the details. Safety school my makes me so happy. Just makes me so happy. Reminds me of something that happened yesterday, which was I got a notice from Binghamton that we were named... Um, by U.S. News & World Report, the number one public university in New York State. And at the end of PTI, I looked in the camera and I went, eat it, Stony Brook. <laughs> that made me happy. Absolutely. I would have thought we'd been the number one for 50 years, but I'm not sure about that. But yet, I'm, you know, just get to me personally. You know, I'll, I'll get you. The they Venmo. want students. They want students from out of state. Yeah. Sure, they want students from out of state. I get the fix in. I mean, I assume your kid's a good student. I assume. If she's, if she's a terrible student, you don't want her there. It's because good school. But it, right. Yeah. From Aaron Swenson, signed, yes, that Aaron Swenson. Dear Dr. Grandpa, here I was sitting in my street sweeper at the U.S. Grand Prix listening to the show. Then, bam, Michael talks about the name of the wind. And I was like, hey, I know that book. It's one of my favorites. I never met anyone who has read it. As my first time sending in an email, I hope this counts as my David Aldrich moment. Thanks for all the laughs and getting us through the weird time. There are three types of silence. <laughs> so I need to do I, I need to read one more. When is book three coming out? Yeah, that's the real question. I am unfamiliar with the book. Yeah. I am unfamiliar with the author. Will we find I out Dennis Patron? Patrick Here we go. Rothfuss. From Andy F. Broccolo. I've been an unsuccessful emailer in the past, including a telling of my 3,000-kilometer pilgrimage from Regina, Saskatchewan, to patronize Chatter in 2018. And I send this one today not with any hope or expectation of it making the air, but just in the vein of thanks that many of the others you likely receive are. Both thanks and as a note of the connective tissue often referenced that I experienced when listening to the show on Friday, last Friday. I'm a 37-year-old father of four, so it's always been easy to relate to much of Michael's family life when it makes its way into the programming. My kids were born earlier in my life, so they're all older than Bootsy and the Hammer, which actually makes it even more endearing, as often as telling of events and experiences of life's milestones and changes bring back memories of similar milestones and changes from my own family's past. That being said, the relatability sometimes fades, as Michael's skill and passion for golf, <clears throat> of which I possess none, Ivy League education, of which mm. I possess even less than none, and general Renaissance man talents often can set him a bit aloof from my unwashed masked masteness. That all changed Friday morning when during Mr. Tony's bequeathing of the cape, Michael referenced the name of the wind and its protagonist, Kvothe? Kvothe, yeah. Kvothe. Not knowing that Michael was a fan of the King Killer Chronicle novels by Patrick Rothfuss, a podcast listener fondship that was formed 
that no Ivy League education, MasterChef talents, nor gallery wall adoration can break. Thank you for being a part of my week and for the hours of unexpected smiles, laughs out loud, moments, and thoughtful reflections. The father-son element to the show becomes more important to me with each episode. And both Michael, Tony and Michael's willingness to share not just their own relationship, but also parts of Michael's young family has meant enough to me that I felt compelled to send this message. Let's meet at the Aeolian. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> now, if is, only if, don't tell me about the, about the it's just, story. It's a, it's, a, it's a fantasy series, and we're, we have three days to try and figure out the rise and fall of Kavoth. I was, I was sort of, when I knew that Henry was going to be red-haired, sort of going for Kavoth, but Liz didn't like it. <laughs> she said no. You wanted to name him Kavoth? Oh, yeah. Kvothe Kornheiser? Ooh, that would be great. Wow. It's getting into dangerous territory. Wow. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, thank you so much for the emails and to wear white. You must be Igor. No, it's pronounced Igor. You're my everything 